Hey there, guys. Pete Mundo of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks, as always, for downloading and listening to this week's podcast. Hope you really enjoy the show, and if you do, rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. You'll be my best friend. It's really easy to do. And this thing has grown every week word of mouth because of you and what you've told people, what you've said, and I appreciate that. Once again, enjoy the show, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Safeties drop really deep. Handoff Sermon over the left side. Big hole, 30. First down, 25-20. Breaks a tackle, 15-10-5. The minister is into the end zone. Preach. Mason takes the ball, fakes a handoff, fires over the middle. It's caught by Aitman, and he takes it into the end zone. He juggled it for a moment, but got it back. Pistols firing. Touchdown, Oklahoma State's Marcel Aitman. There's more to us than that. Two receivers left, one right. Quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line. Jesse, 25-20, 15-10-5 to the goal line. Touchdown, 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion, they fake to him, hand to Hicks, he'll walk in and score. Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter, and the Horn Frogs now go up 13-7. country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. Well, how do you like that? Eight and three for the Big 12 Conference in the opening weekend of the NCAA Tournament, and you could not have asked for a better run for this conference. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. It's our independent Big 12 digital media outlet. I started it a couple of years ago when I began working in New York City at uh, CBS, Fox News, and Sports Illustrated. I previously worked in Woodward, Oklahoma at K101 and Z92 Radio and thought, you know what? I got to New York. I started doing some national things, and I said, this is is the way to give the Big 12 Conference a lot of the respect and the notoriety I've always felt it deserved. And finally, that's starting to come back to fruition after a couple of, uh, or a few years of really being down in both football and basketball. It was a great football season for the conference, and it was a really good regular season in college basketball, and it is officially a great postseason. I said it last week, I wasn't sure exactly how the Big 12 was going to do once we got into this position of the NCAA tournament, how deep was the conference. I thought top to bottom, as deep as the Big 12 was, as good as it was, I also thought it was a bit flawed as well, where I said to myself, okay, it's great, it's doing very well, um, and there is so much top to bottom depth that I said, this conference can do really big things. But I also was nervous because I thought all these teams are a little bit flawed. Kansas doesn't have its typical Kansas star, per se, that one-and-done player. Texas Tech, Keenan Evans, was he fully healthy? West Virginia had had some issues recently in the uh, tournament of getting knocked out too early. And even down to K-State, Dean Wade wasn't healthy. Uh, What was going to go on with the Wildcats here moving forward? So I was a little bit concerned for the first weekend, but you go eight and three, you're sitting there with 40% of your conference in the Sweet 16, you got a quarter of the teams left, and it was enormous when this week started. 
Now, obviously, this weekend can bring a lot of craziness and excitement and different results, and it's all going to be playing out. But regardless of how the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 play out, this has been proven to be a very successful season for the Big 12 because of where we stand at this point in time. And I think this conference proved a heck of a lot. Now, would I like to see a team get to the Final Four? Sure I would. Of course. But regardless, 8-3 and three in the opening weekend is as good as you could hope for, especially when two of those losses were in overtime in Texas and Oklahoma. That is really, really impressive. And what this also tells me after the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament is that the Big 12 did break down into three tiers that a lot of us thought it would. There was that first tier of Kansas, West Virginia, and Texas Tech. And those were the big three. And we all thought that if things broke right, they could make a decent run of the Sweet 16. Then there was that middle tier of the Kansas States of the world, of the Oklahomas, of the Texases. Um, and then there was that third tier that you get to of the Oklahoma State, Baylor, Iowa State crowd. Now you can argue, and I did last week, Oklahoma State should have been in the tournament. Unfortunately, that didn't work out. But what you're also seeing here is that Kansas State, I know the Wildcats an easier path. I realize all that. Uh, they didn't have to play Virginia in the second round and playing a solid Virginia team without Dean Wade. Let's just say I would not have liked their odds. But K-State in the regular season, they basically beat the teams they were supposed to beat, and they lost to the teams they were supposed to lose to. They lost every game against the teams above them, West Virginia, Texas Tech, and Kansas. And they won the large majority of those below it. They went 10-2 and against the rest of the Big 12. So it tells me that if Kansas State's in a situation where they had to beat somebody, they typically beat them, and if they were overmatched, they typically lost. And that's what we knew Kansas State was the entire season. So I take this approach and I look at what the Big 12 has done here in the NCAA tournament after the opening week. And then you parlay it off of what happened in the college football season. And you've got to be very happy if you're a Big 12 fan. The only fan base that shouldn't maybe feel great about where things stand are the Baylor Bears but I because of the football season and the basketball season. But on that same note, I like a lot of what Matt Rule is putting together. And for a one-win team, I'm telling you, and I'm not saying this sarcastically, Matt Rule's one-win Baylor Bears are going to be the most improved one-win team in America by a mile. There is... Transfer talent coming in. There are guys getting healthy. There's a lot to like about the Baylor Bears and where that team is right now. But when you look at this conference, basically every program in the major sports of football and basketball have to feel good about at least one, if not both of those teams. And that's, think about that. How many Power 5 conference teams in America can say that? You go down the list. Iowa State you feel good about the basketball team improving. You feel solid about what Matt Campbell is doing on the football field. You're excited for spring camp. There's a lot to like. Go down to Kansas. Obviously, basketball, football, eh, a little bit of a different story. But uh, you're always feeling good about Bill Self. Flip that over to K-State. I, You know, you got to like the direction. I know people have gotten on Bruce Weber, rightfully so. His first sweet 16 as a head coach in 13 years. But... 
Overall, you have to feel comfortable with the direction of both of these programs. Go down to Oklahoma. Football, great. Basketball, a bit of a wait-and-see approach. But you have arguably the best duo of basketball and football coaches in the entire conference, which is saying something in Lincoln Riley and, and Lon Kruger. Although I, I did not like the job that Lon Kruger did this year with this specific team. Oklahoma State, a lot of new faces on the football field. Mike Boynton exceeding expectations a bit on the basketball court, building something. I like a lot of what Mike Boynton did. I know he's only in his mid-30s, but he did not feel overmatched on the sidelines to me. And that's important for this team and where it stands. Texas. All right, I know there's always optimism around Texas football, maybe a little bit too much year in, year out, but it does seem to me and feel to me like Tom Herman finally has this thing trending in the right direction. The caveat being, can he finally find himself a quarterback, right? And Shaka Smart's got a lot of good young talent coming back next year that we don't think enough about when you look at what Shaka Smart has done over the past couple of years. I know he hasn't lived up to that post-VCU expectations that we all came to expect. He did not. Has not thus far. And I think he's been overcoached at a couple of points this year. You saw it in the West Virginia game to end the season, and you saw it as well uh, at points in the NCAA tournament game against Nevada last week. But you think about some of the guys returning. Andrew Jones dealing with the leukemia will be back. Um... Dylan Osikowski is going to be back. Kerwin Roach, Davis, Coleman, a lot of young guys that got a lot of playing time this year, a lot of experience, are going to be back in the fold. So Texas fans, I understand why they might be upset with where this basketball program is, but I am not pulling the trigger on Shaka Smart just yet. I, I, I would ride this out for a good two more years and see where this program stands overall. Texas Tech. All right, I admit it. I don't feel great about where Cliff Kingsbury is going as the head coach and if this is a dead-end program right now coming off a disappointing recruiting cycle. But he saved his job, and if the defense under David Gibbs can just get a little better, you know Cliff Kingsbury is going to find his quarterback. They're going to put up numbers, and maybe they can surprise. And Chris Beard, what a hire, and what a great fit for West Texas Chris Beard has become. Between the Whataburger jokes... Uh, the persona, I mean, Dallas was rocking last week. Matthew Postens, our own HCS contributor, was part of all that. Uh, he was there as a fan. He went to Stephen F. Austin, so he had the uh, tickets to the games last week. He got a great video that's on our Twitter page, at HeartlandCS underscore CS, where it felt like the entire arena in Dallas was singing the fight song after the win. Chris Beard is uh, is just been a you could not ask for a better fit than Chris Beard at Texas Tech. It has been beautiful for both sides of that party. It has. TCU Gary Patterson's the man. Jamie Dixon, uh, damn. I mean, what more can you say? He leaves Pittsburgh. They go 0 and 18 this year in the uh, ACC, and he's now at TCU. He's turning things around. You feel good about the direction of the program, and then you get into uh, West Virginia. Bob Huggins is doing his thing because Bob Huggins is the king of Morgantown, the mayor. And on the flip side, you have Dana Holgerson, who has, I think, the best quarterback coming back in the Big 12 in Will Greer. Really good offense. Just have Tony Gibson get that defense figured out. And they're a dark horse in the Big 12 conference. So just do it. All 10 conferences, there is a ton of reason for optimism 
if not in at least one of these two sports, major college sports, both of them. And that is something that when you go across the Power Five conferences, you can certainly not say about most of the country. And that sets up for better fan base attendance, more fan base enthusiasm, interest, excitement, tailgating scene, all these different things can benefit because of figure, you know, even donations, things like that. All of this can be benefited and built on because of where the major revenue sports stand in the Big 12 Conference. And that also makes for an incredibly competitive conference. Which, what more can you ask for if you're a Big 12 fan like me? I, I don't. I know some of you guys accuse me on Twitter of being uh, different homers for different teams on a given day, but I'm sorry. This uh, this conference is as deep as it gets, and all I want is for the conference to win. I don't care who wins. I don't have a horse in the race. That's the great thing, and that's why I I felt so compelled. When I first started this website, turned into podcast, turned into radio show, turned into YouTube page, that this was something that I thought I could deliver as someone working in media, having major market, but also small market experience, having formerly covered the Big 12, but also not being a fan of Baylor, Oklahoma, Texas, West Virginia, just a fan of the conference. And this is a very very exciting time. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. And now I want to get to something that Tom Herman said that was very, very interesting as the Longhorns opened up spring practice this week. We'll get to it next right here, Heartland College Sports Weekly. So Tom Herman finally, finally addressed one of the biggest questions we've all had for quite some time. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. It is great to be here with you. The Longhorns kick off spring practice this week, and let's be honest, there is a lot of excitement, a lot of hype, a lot of expectations heading into the second year of Tom Herman's tenure, and Granted, you know, we've heard that for the past decade, whether it was Mac Brown or Charlie Strong or now Tom Herman, that there's a lot of hype, a lot of excitement, a lot of intrigue, and expectations are never really met. But that being said, it does feel like things are trending in the right direction. I I, I was the first guy to say last year I would have given Charlie Strong one more season. But I do understand in hindsight why the Longhorns did pull the plug on Strong and the fact that he did not value the Texas recruiting scene like Tom Herman does. We, we saw the quality of recruits and the amount of high-end recruits in just the state of Texas that Tom Herman brought in in year two. And you're seeing that already going into the 2019 recruiting cycle. Charlie Strong had the Florida ties. It was never a good fit from the get-go on many levels. He was not the politician that you needed to be because if you're not a politician in college football as a head coach, you better win. And if you don't win and you're not a good politician, that is a recipe for a very short tenure, especially at a place like Texas. But the biggest complaint I had all year about what exactly this Texas team was resulted around the offense. And I know the quarterback position has been a problem since Colt McCoy, but it was more the play calling under Tim Beck that bothered me 
and bothered a lot of Texas fans. So Tom Herman took the reins and ran the offense against Mizzou in the bowl game, which Texas beat Missouri 33-16 in that Texas Bowl. Now, it wasn't exactly a career day for either Shane Bouchelle or Sam Ellinger, but I will say this. After a disastrous end of the season against Texas Tech, where, if you recall, that final drive where Texas Tech intercepts Sam Ellinger, it leads to Texas Tech's putting ahead the uh, the eventual winning scorer in that final game of the regular season, which resulted in Texas Tech getting to a bowl game and likely saving Cliff Kingsbury's job. That was the end of Tim Beck calling plays. The fan base had dealt with that the entire season. They were sick of it, and Tom Herman called the plays against Mizzou. So Herman talked about it this week, and he said, I missed it. We weren't playing to the level of offense that any of us wanted. I figured if I could spark some added productivity, then great. Now, as we mentioned, Texas won the game. Michael Dixon was the ultimate MVP of that game. I mean, he was unbelievable uh, as the punter for the Longhorns. But the offense did prove fairly efficient in that game, and I don't think anyone's going to sit here and say that they'll be upset if Tom Herman is calling the plays this year. Now, Herman said he's unsure whether he'll take over team's play-calling duties in 2018, but we'll see how that shakes out as the year gets closer. It's entirely possible that in year one, Tom Herman said this is one of the biggest jobs in America. There's a ton of stress around this job, a ton of pressure. I want to make sure in my first year that I am not overwhelmed with things like play calling. But like any other job, by year two, the day-to-day responsibilities and the day-to-day tasks slow down a little bit. And then you can add a little bit more to your plate, which I think is what Herman could be considering right now, where he says to himself, I feel good about where this program is. I feel good about where I am. And now it's simply about just going out there and calling the plays and calling this game like I want to, like I did at Ohio State, and roll the dice from there. Because... Seeing where Tim Beck is right now, and Tim Beck's a great guy, but I've said this before, and I know this for a fact, when he was at Ohio State, because he replaced Tom Herman as the offensive coordinator with the Buckeyes, he was not exactly a fan favorite in Columbus, Ohio. I know that. I can confirm that. And then he comes to Austin, Texas, and he's not exactly a fan favorite after a year down there. So I would not be shocked if Herman at least at the beginning, took the reins himself and said, let's see what I can do here running the show and running the program and roll it from there. I think it'd make a ton of sense, and I hope that he strongly considers it. Because this defense under Todd Orlando is going to be once again really good. I know they're losing a lot of key pieces, but there's so much talent on that defense. It's going to once again come down to how efficient, how good can this offense be. In the Big 12, you got to score. I know the Big 12 gets a bad rap for the lack of defense. And we know, you follow the Big 12, we know it's not about a defense or defenses that aren't good. It's about uh, just so many plays being in the game that the scores are higher than, say, the ACC or the SEC or the Big 10. But that still being said, you got to be able to put up points in the conference. And if you can't, you end up like Texas. 7-6, 6-6, maybe 8-5, 6-7. And it never ends. 
So seeing also this quarterback battle between Shane Bouchelle and between Sam Ellinger is one of the storylines to watch, not just for Texas, but for the entire conference. Because if this is really the year the Longhorns start turning things around and what's going to be a wide-open Big 12, I mean, just as wide-open as it's been in several years, then that Texas quarterback battle is going to be one of the biggest storylines, not just for this conference at this point in time, but for the entire summer. I mean, the next six months, this is going to be the storyline to watch. And I don't care if you're a Texas fan or you hate Texas, how this plays out. And if we see any kind of growth and development from Shane Bouchelle or Sam Ellinger over these past few months could very well determine how the Big 12 Conference plays out. It's interesting. We talked to David Ash on this show, the former Texas quarterback, uh, maybe a month ago or so. And he said the biggest issue with Texas is that when it comes to the quarterback position, is that these guys have not had one system to learn. He said he learned three over his time at Texas. Now they have one in Tom Herman, one voice, and getting that offseason program year one to year two in his system is going to prove incredibly important in terms of how much success this team is going to have. So it's something to watch. Pete Munda with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Let's get into the NBA draft news, and that's Trey Young, Mobamba going. But the Trey Young deal is kind of strange. What do we make of that, and what was the moment I knew he was gone? I'll tell you next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Final few minutes, Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. As always, appreciate you guys joining us, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. So, Trey Young is going to the NBA draft. Not shocking one bit. I was more shocked, way more shocked, when his father came out and said, you know, uh, I think Trey should consider staying for another year. And I scratched my head. I thought, what? What am I missing here? I mean, what am I possibly missing here? And I, at first I said, his dad's nuts. Then I said, I actually have a lot of respect for his father because of the idea that, you know what? How many parents whose children are about to make millions of dollars would say, put that on hold and risk injury because I think it's best for you, son? That is actually more impressive. So I give Trey Young's father a lot of credit for even saying that, but I still thought that Trey Young was eventually going to go to the pros. I did not think that he was ultimately going to stay with the Oklahoma Sooners. And here was the biggest reason for that. Not only was production on the court really good, although as the season went on, he was less efficient, got a little more exposed. I don't think he's walking into the NBA and becoming Steph Curry. I'm sorry. I don't see that. But if he's 70% of Steph Curry, he's going to have a long NBA career and make tens of millions of dollars. But let's pump the brakes on the Steph Curry comparisons just for a little bit, please. Is that too much to ask? But I think back to the NCAA Tournament uh, Selection Sunday show. And the Sooners were on the bubble, so naturally they had the cameras focused on them, and especially Trey Young. And what was interesting to me was that when it was announced that the Sooners would be in the NCAA Tournament, the cameras focused on Trey Young. And he sat there, and he pumped his fist, 
and he was excited. He put his face in his hands while the rest of the team was standing up and high-fiving each other. And eventually, Trey Young gets up. He continues to pump his fist. And then he turns around looking for teammates. And he got high-fives from, like, two guys. Literally, two teammates were, like, high-fiving or giving Trey Young a hug. That was it. That was it. And I shook my head and I said, geez, that's kind of weird. I mean, this guy's the team's nation's leading scorer, assist man, the whole thing. And it just struck me as very odd that he did not appear to be on the same page as his own team. It just didn't, it seemed like there was Trey Young. And then there was the rest of the Oklahoma basketball team. That's just what it looked like from afar. I'm not sitting here and saying that I have any insight into the inner workings of the relationship between Trey Young and his teammates. I don't know that. But I saw that and I said, this team is not in good shape and Trey Young is going to the NBA. It did not look to me like a guy who had a great rapport with his teammates. And I don't know if that's something to do with his teammates, if it's to do with Trey Young, if it's the fact that ESPN built up this hype train around Trey Young that Long Kruger couldn't slow down and that it got it made for a divisive locker room there in Norman. I don't know the answer. All I'm saying is that it didn't look right and it didn't look good and it wasn't noticed, but it was very weird. So I'm not shocked one bit that Trey is going to the NBA draft. And it doesn't matter who you are. If you are a lottery pick, you've got to go. You have to. I'm sorry. You, you, it's time to move on when you're an NBA uh, lot, draft lottery pick. You're guaranteed millions. Your body is only going to last for so long. You could risk an injury. You go. Same thing in football. If you're a first, second rounder, get out. Go. Now, NBA is different. In the second round... That contract doesn't have the guarantees of the first round. So if you're on that border, maybe you come back to try to solidify yourself as a first-rounder. But lottery pick, uh uh-uh. You're out. And now let's see what he does. Mo Bamba, the Texas big man, also moving on. Not shocked there. Still a little raw. He's not the kind of guy that's going to walk in right away and, and change a franchise. But the upside is enormous. And I still think he's a lottery. It's tough to predict the NBA draft because so many of these guys come from overseas and Europe and you know, all over the place. Uh, so it's not like the NFL draft where it's all guys we know and we've seen. If you're not watching European basketball, you're probably missing someone who's going to be a lottery pick. So it's not as easy to predict. But with Mo Bamba's upside and the talent that he has right now, I still think this guy is certainly worthy of being a lottery pick in uh, in June's draft. Couple of a uh, couple of notes before we leave you here. Longhorn legend Ricky Williams is launching his own marijuana brand called Real Wellness. Will sell a total of six products, including vape cartridges and tonics. Now, the marijuana business is not going anywhere. In fact, it's only going to grow. And when you have a name behind it like Ricky Williams and hopefully some decent investors on his side to go along with it, uh, this can be a real win for him. You know, Ricky Williams got hosed a little bit because I still believe that the medical marijuana he was using to help ease his pain, both mental and physical, would not have been as taboo 10, 15 years ago as it is right now, or 15, 20 years ago in his case, as it is right now. 
I mean, society in general has become much more friendly and open to marijuana, especially in medical terms. And it's nice to see that despite the fact that his career was cut short by this, he's hopefully going to be able to build a little business off it. So in many ways, I'm pulling for Ricky Williams. I, I am. And I hope he has some success with that moving forward. Um, and and I'm, I'm rooting for the guy. I am. He's, he's always seemed, I don't know him, but he's always seemed very good in interviews, smart, um, and never got the credit I thought he deserved for being ahead of the curve in many ways. Hey, I'm not going to say he was a trailblazer. Maybe he was. How about this? Kansas football fan puts up a billboard um, upset with Kansas football. It's this huge billboard. And the billboard says, Kansas football in red letters, quote, the most incompetent thing I've ever seen in major sports. And it says Dan Lebertard, ESPN, paid for by SaveKSFB.com. That's a tough spot. You know, it doesn't help David Beatty's cause. That's the problem. The guy that paid for the billboard, I respect it. Putting your money where your mouth is, so to speak. Not just sitting on some message board and ripping people. But I, that does not help David Beatty one bit in trying to turn this darn thing around. I need to see progress this fall from David Beatty, but I'm giving him this fall. But after that... Not as much. Pete Mundo with you, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always appreciate you guys joining us. Part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We've got a ton of NCAA tournament news, information, written pieces. Find us there. And, of course, we'll talk to you next week. Same time, same place here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. 2,000 country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right. Thanks, as always, for listening, guys. Free koozies. Email me, Pete Mundo, at heartlandcollegesports.com and send me a screenshot of your review and rating on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, and I'll send you free koozies. Pretty good trade-off. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next week.